This is Total Retail Tech Insights. The content retail executives need to optimize their use of technology throughout their organizations. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Total Retail Tech Insights. I'm Joe Keenan, Editor-in-Chief of Total Retail. I am joined on today's episode by Megan York, who is the Global Head of Product Marketing at Amarsis, an SAP company. We're going to be talking a little bit about Amarsis's business and how it can help uh, the retailers in our audience. So thank you for joining me today, Megan. Thanks for having me, Joe. So to get us started, uh, just as a little background, I think it would be helpful for the audience to tell um, them a little bit about your role at Amarsis as well as uh, a little bit about what Amarsis does. Sure. So uh, I lead global product marketing for Amarsis and what that means in the marketing landscape um, is that I'm out there in the market talking to customers, understanding what trends and you know things are going on in the market and feeding that back into the product team and understanding how our products can better serve our customers. And then I work with our product teams as they develop these products to bring those products to market and help uh, potential customers uh, see the value in using Amarsis. And you asked what Amarsis does. Uh, we're really an omni-channel customer engagement platform, which means we help marketers bring data in, understand who their customers are, what their preferences, the types of content and information they want to see. And then we help inject that type of personalized messaging into every channel you can think of, email, uh, SMS, mobile apps, the web, WhatsApp, you know, as marketers, we know uh, <laughs> the list of channels just keeps growing and growing. Yeah. So that's what we do. And I'm excited to be here today. Yeah, that, that channel list seems to be infinite at this <laughs> point. Um, so in your role, and it was very helpful to kind of provide that background. So in your role, you kind of have your ear to the ground in terms of talking to marketers, and then you're bringing that information back to your product team. So uh, I'm interested to kind of just get your view kind of on a lands landscape perspective on the, the kind of time we're in for marketers. And, it, it, you know, in your view, it's a particularly challenging, um, you know, we've had these peaks and valleys in terms of the pandemic and unfortunately a, a peak in, in recently. Um, tell us a little bit about where you see marketers and how they currently sit in the, in the environment in which they're operating. Yeah, I mean, it's not an easy time to be a marketer. So I think for a long time, marketing has really been encouraged or challenged um, to have marketing looked at as a revenue center and not a cost center. You know, so that's been kind of a challenge that we've been thinking about for a long time. But today, you know, you have a lot of other factors on top of that as well. So, you know, you've got privacy and government regulations kind of looking over everything we're trying to do. Just like we talked about, we've got an explosion of channels and marketers have to determine where should they invest, you know, and what should their channel strategy be. Um, you've got, you know, customer behavior that's changing all the time and a global pandemic doesn't, <laughs> doesn't help that as well. Um, and then really, you know, you know, speaking from a practitioner standpoint, the marketing technology landscape is overcrowded. So, you know, there's somebody entering, it seems, every day. Um, telling how they can solve a marketer's problem, but sometimes the differentiation between those competitors or those vendors in the market is, is almost indiscernible. So um, not an easy time to be a marketer. I have a, being one myself, I know that, you know, I've been in those shoes, um, but, you know, but we, I think generally at Amarsis have a lot of empathy for what marketers are going through right now. So kind of building on the uh, final part of your answer there in terms of, um, 
what do you feel like as you know we're in the first few weeks of a, of a new year and obviously sometimes people come out with predictions and they're you know we're, these are the trends you need to be following or capitalizing on as we begin a new year uh, do you think there's kind of a potential uh, worrisome spots there for marketers that maybe they're weary of these predictions and switching up their strategy annually because of you know let's call it like the latest or greatest trend where um, they're continually changing tell us a little bit about your thoughts there and what that might mean for brands and retailers? Yeah, so, you know, Adam Marsis, we just launched our unpredictions report, actually, and it's a take on exactly what you just said. You know, everybody comes out of the woodwork at the beginning of the year to make predictions about what might happen. Um, but we know from talking to our customers that they don't need just guesses or, you know, some mystical look into a crystal ball. They need to hear, you know, what are other marketers doing? Uh, what, what do consumers have to say? And they need those real um, insights and advice on what their marketing plan should include um, in order to reach their business outcomes, you know, not just kind of guesses or, or you know, lofty trends that may not actually apply to their business. So I appreciate you mentioning the Young Predictions Report because I'm going to have a question about that specifically. We've talked about all these different channels, but I'm going to go back to, you know, a marketing channel has been around for a while now when we think about digital marketing, uh, and that's email. It seems like it's been around forever, but it's still really relevant and vital in 2022, and they talk about that in the Young Predictions Report. Tell us a little bit about why you're so bullish on email as a channel. Yes, I, I've been saying, you know, what's old is new again. You know, my, my daughter wants to uh, wear my large flannels and Doc Martens from the 1990s. I'm aging myself here, but it, you know, it's kind of the same with email. So, you know, I mentioned earlier all of the, the privacy regulations that are happening right now. Consumers are saying, hey, you know, um, we want to have a cookie-less world. We don't, you know, we don't want you to, to follow us around and, and track everything we do. And so, therefore that email address and that first party data becomes more important than it's ever been before. You know, so there's that sort of uh, trend that's going on in the market, but actually if you talk to consumers, um, we did a research report of consumers and 46% of them said they actually prefer email. It's still kind of the bedrock and that revenue generating channel um, that it's always been. And so we're really encouraging our customers or, or marketers in general to kind of rethink their email strategy when it comes to how they collect that first party data and how they can make email more interesting and personalized and value driving for their customers. So, you know, we've got some great examples of customers who are doing things um, like uh, we have a customer named Sports Direct. They have an online stylist on their website that's kind of an AI driven um, interactive exercise that consumers can come into when they get on their website. And this, you know, this interactive stylist asks them, what's their style? What are their favorite teams? What are their physical activity levels? All of these different questions. And in the background, Amarsis is, is using all of that data that the customer has willingly given to build a profile of the customer and understand what they want. Well, then how does that relate to email? Well, then all of that great profile data is stored within Amarsis. So then we can put personalized product recommendations into the Sports Direct email based on what our customers have said. So you can see how really, you know, they are driving value throughout the experience. They've made getting that data fun and interactive and helpful when that person is coming to the website with, it, with that intent. 
they've used all that to, to build that profile that the customer gave them. And then they're using it to personalize the email expense, uh, experience again, because it's there's so much opportunity to drive revenue from the email channel. Yeah, and those personalized experiences are becoming table stakes now. Consumers are really expecting that the brands that they're shopping with, that they know them and then presenting them with, with relevant uh, products and experiences. And I'm, you know, I'm curious in your take on this, but I would imagine one of the really advantages for emails, it seems is adoptable across customer demographics. So, you know, from your younger consumers, your Gen Y, your millennial, all the way up to baby boomers, the adoption of email is, is, is pretty consistent across where some, you know, you don't necessarily see that for all marketing channels. Is that kind of the, the experiences that you're hearing as well? Yeah, you're exactly right. And there's also something that we like to talk about, which is channel appropriateness. You know, we talk about how, you know, sometimes people, when they're trying to reach somebody with a text message or a push notification, the person may not be in the mindset to receive that, you know, receive that message. But everybody, when they go into their email, it has been around for so long, you know, is expecting to see these kinds of offers or product recommendations or sales or incentives or things like that in their email program. So when they're going in and, and looking at those emails from you, you know, you already have a buyer who is maybe sort of thinking about shopping when they, when they, you know, engage at all. So we're going to go from one of the, let's say, relatively speaking, older digital marketing technologies or tools or channels when we're talking about email into something that's kind of on the newer front, but um, is really disrupting, you know, traditional marketing. And that's uh, a technology, artificial intelligence, which obviously um, is also addressed in the Unpredictions report that you, you mentioned earlier. So tell us a little bit about, you know, the role and how game-changing AI can be in, in driving those advanced customer segmentation and that personalization that you just were talking about as brands are utilizing within their email. Yeah, I mean, I think AI is is really important. So I keep aging myself. I don't know why I'm doing that, but I've I've been, um, you know, talking about predictive intelligence or data science and artificial intelligence um, for for quite a while now. And I'd always gotten the question around um, marketers' jobs and sh and job security. Is AI going to come over and and to come in and take over, you know, things that humans used to do? And I think it's a really really interesting point in time right now. We got a, a lot of Amarsa's customers together for a client advisory board. And, you know, we, of course, we're going to get product feedback. But what I asked them, I said, outside of product, when you wake up at three o'clock in the morning and you are stressed out about work, what are you stressed out about? And all of them said the size of my team. They talked about how they were resource constrained. They talked about how, you know, onboarding new people and getting them up and running quickly was tough. They talked about worrying about retaining their people. So team, you know, was really top of mind for them. And I think we've got kind of are able to switch the narrative around AI, which is in these times when we feel so resource constrained as marketing departments, how do you look at AI as like an extension of your team or that added team member that you don't have really taking on a lot of those tasks, those, you know, data analysis tasks, those recommendation type of tasks, you know, how do you take those kinds of things, um, take the burden of those things off of people let the system automatically do those types of things so that the marketers you do have are opened up to, you know, be strategic and thoughtful and creative, like all of those reasons that we got into this field to begin with. So I think that that's super important. It also, you know, that it's just not possible even for humans to be able to sift all of this through this data in real time, 
understand a customer's preference and then be able to, you know, spit out a recommendation of what product I might be interested in as I'm, you know, in real time clicking through pages on a website. And so, you know, the ability to reach customers in real time with the information that's based on what their behaviors are in real time, you know, is just is really something that, that humans can't do and why we should be thinking about AI as a, you know, an augmentation of our of our team to be able to deliver those personalized experiences. Yeah, exactly. The complementary in nature to the existing skills that your team possesses. Um, and I want to build on that and, and follow up on that uh, final point that you made, Megan, around speed and scale, and scale as well. So in uh, Amarsis, a third of the marketers that they spoke to say that the inability to scale content is holding their personalization efforts back. So tell us a little bit about your thoughts in terms of personalization still being the major key to growth. And if it is, how do brands get there? I mean, it's kind of just what we talked about. You have to rely on technology to be able to do that. You know, for so many years, we, uh, you know, our data and analytics activities were almost like looking at driving, but looking in the rear view mirror, which doesn't help us very much, you know, as we're trying to get where we're going. And so, you know, to really be able to um, take in customer data at scale, understand what that means for your business, even make predictions about what your customers might do next so that you're able to, to be there when you're, they're ready to interact with you. You know, all of that really is relying on technology and the, and the AI powered pieces of technology to be able to scale your teams, scale your business, scale the content that you have that you wouldn't be able to do without a platform. So part of, uh, and you mentioned this, you know, retailers and brands love hearing other success stories of other retailers and brands. They want to see how it applies in the market in a real life scenario. Um, you mentioned uh, Sport Direct earlier as one of the examples. I'm curious if you have any other stories of brands that have already implemented some of these unpredictions, as you've talked about your the report that Amarsis has produced. Uh, any good kind of case studies you might want well to be able to, to share, Megan? Yeah, so I mean, one of my favorite stories is a company called Sailing Group. They're the largest retailer in Denmark. Um, they have multiple stores in multiple countries and multiple online properties. And what they wanted to do was make sure that they could connect um, in-store behavior with online behavior to make better product recommendations. And so just like we talked about, they started injecting those real-time product recommendations as people were shopping on their website. And then they use online and offline data to put product recommendations in their emails. And I mean, this is sort of unheard of in marketing. I think they saw a 25% increase in revenue in just five weeks by implement, by connecting that data together and then, and then serving up product recommendations uh, based on it. I love that story. Um, I also love the story of uh, Adidas Runtastic. So Runtastic is Adidas's kind of um, you know, community and kind of fitness program where, you know, people can sign up and they can track their fitness behaviors and their runs and their milestones and all these different kinds of fitness goals. And um, we've worked with them to ingest um, over 200 data points about every, you know, particular customer that they have, again, that that customer has been willing to give to them. But we've ingested all of those data points into the system. And then when you know, those runners or those fitness enthusiasts make a, a goal or achieve a goal, 
we're triggering the messages that are very, very personalized based on all that data we have out of Amarsis to, you know, not only make it a fun, interactive experience, but also build loyalty for Adidas. I mean, think about it. These these runners are associating Adidas with, with accomplishing their fitness goals. I mean, talk about um, brand, talk about building a brand there, right? So yeah, those positive are, those reinforcement are my, too with the brand, as you mentioned, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So those are some of my favorite stories of people who, um, uh, you know, that we have learned from in order to make these unpredictions going into 2022. So let's talk a little bit about, um, so those are great examples, by the way, in, in terms of the benefits uh, and really how much of a difference the opportunity to scale at pace in real time can make to your clients, what you've seen at Amarsis and what you're hearing and seeing out in the market. Uh, what are your thoughts there? I mean, I think we've seen time and time again um, that customers are reacting positively when their experiences are personalized. You know, again, back to this conversation around AI, another thing I was always asked is how are we gonna know too you know, when is enough is enough or is too much for customers with personalization? And I think some of these, these um, privacy regulations that really have been pushed by customers are showing us that maybe, you know, in some of our marketing activities, we, we maybe went a little bit too far. But the fact that people still are, you know, like the sailing group story, mm -hmm. increasing, you know, they, they are purchasing those product recommendations. They are interacting um, when those real-time messages are kicked out to them. And that's showing that there's still a real willingness and a real impact to the bottom line of the business when customers or when our customers um, are using that data that, that their, their consumers willingly give them to interact with them at just the kind of right moment with the right content, which we've been talking about for a long time, but it, but it really, really does work. Yeah, and that right moment, the right content at the right moment, you know, consumers have proven that if you're giving them that, that they're willingly uh, going to give you their information because they are expecting back those experiences. Now, on the flip side, if you're not giving them those those experiences and you're not giving them that relevant product, uh, they're not going to be able to get, you know, you know, they're not as likely to give you it. So it, it kind of comes down to execution as well. That's right. So, I mean, one of the things that we're talking about right now, a lot of around data is value exchange. So consumers, as you said, are, are more than willing to give up their data if they realize in, in return that they're going to be getting value, whether that's, um, you know, access to information that they didn't have before or helps them with product discovery or loyalty programs or things like that. So, you know, I, I do think there is absolutely this um, middle ground that marketers can achieve when they are honoring a customer's privacy, but also personalizing each of those interactions with them. Yeah. So a couple more for you, Megan. Um, I want to ask um, if there's, you know, obviously, as we talked about the start of a year and, and predictions and kind of forecasts are always kind of the, uh, the, the rage at this time of year. Tell us a little bit about maybe one piece of advice you might give to empower marketers as they look to kind of thrive in, in a challenging environment and one that's continually shifting as we've talked about. Yeah, I mean, I think if you look at um, all of the predictions that are out in the market at any one time, it certainly seems like a very, very high mountain to try to traverse when you're thinking about all the other things that you have already on your plate. And so when I talk to marketers, whether that's about implementing AI or connecting the customer journey across channels, or even, you know, being a CX advocate within their organization and connecting different parts of the business, I just always encourage people to, to not boil the ocean. You know, one of our one of our um, unpredictions is around how marketers are in a unique spot 
spot to really lead customer experience activities within their organization. And if you sit down and try to map out every single touch point and every single data point across your entire organization from sales to service to commerce to marketing, it can be very overwhelming and, and you know, you hardly even know where to start. But if you, but if you, you know, take it in bite-sized chunks. So how do you integrate commerce experiences with marketing experiences? Again, so like the, the product recommendations and the experience on the website is the same as the experience in an email that's very tailored. I mean, that's a huge movement towards um, creating better customer experiences. Or how do you connect uh, marketing and service so that somebody, if someone has an open um, service call with your company, they're not receiving promotional emails at that time. Again, that, that's a piece of customer experience. So that's my advice. Don't, when you're looking, reading through all of these unpredictions even, don't try to boil the ocean. You know, use 2022 to make your first or second or, or third step um, and just, you know, iterate on all of these and continue to get better, continue to get more personalized and more connected to your customers along the way. And I think your point of your piece of advice also brings up the fact that the level of collaboration um, that's needed within an organization to do this effectively, um, to be kind of thinking about the bridges you need to build within your organization as well, I guess. Absolutely. So, you know, I know some marketing teams are still quite siloed where different channels, you know, are kind of operating a little bit differently. So there is some sort of, even with our own teams, you know, reaching across the aisle and saying, hey, let's focus on customer loyalty together. Let's focus on, you know, um, customer engagement. And I think the same holds true for other areas of the business. But what I have found in my career is that everyone loves to be on a winning team. And so I think, you know, as we talk about marketers leading CX initiatives, I think if they can tie these initiatives to um, business outcomes or revenue uh, generating activities, where when, when you connect those data points and connect those experiences, just even, you know, at that, like we said, baby steps level, and then be able to go to your leadership or go to your board and say, hey, we just connected these two areas of the business in a really straightforward, you know, fairly simple way and look at the bottom line impact it has, then you get more organizational support and leadership support for taking that, you know, second, third, fourth, however many um, steps it takes to kind of get to that, that utopia of customer experience. <laughs> yeah, right. And know, oh, and that's a great point. And showing your wins along the way and getting that buy-in as you as you noted. So I'll close with this, Megan. We've, we've referenced it a couple of times. For those in the audience that want to check out the Unpredictions Report, um, where can they go to get that? And then also, if they're looking to learn a little bit more about Amarsis and, uh, uh, and the work that you do there, uh, what would you advise them to do? Yeah, so all of uh, the you know, unpredictions report is available on amarsis.com, as are the customer stories I talked about and loads of other um, great customer stories. So come visit us there, uh, request a demo, and we will be happy to show you how the product comes together to um, serve all of these needs that you have in connecting with your customers. Great. Well, I want to take the opportunity to thank Megan York, who is the Global Head of Product Marketing at Amarsis, an SAP company, for joining us on this episode of Total Retail Tech Insights. Thank you, Megan. Thank you. Thanks for listening. For more information on this podcast, please check out our podcast channel page at mytotalretail.com slash podcast for show notes. Tech Insights is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Make sure to subscribe on our podcast channel page as well. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a few moments to rate and review this podcast. Thanks, and until next time, this has been Total Retail Tech Insights.